Welcome to the Scoop and School podcast. Do they worry you at all? Are you worried? Ridiculous, Morgan. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Your host, Stephen Kahn. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to week six of the college football season. I uh, I just returned from the zoo. Um, so, you know, a little little tired, but also pretty fired up. Saw some saw some uh, gorillas uh, going at it, uh, fighting, physically fighting, you know, going at it, I guess could could mean a couple uh, different things and, and both would be possible at the zoo. Um, but saw some gorilla fights, which was which was pretty good. Um, all around just a, a pretty nice time. Haven't been to the zoo in a little bit, um, but but always a uh, an enjoyable experience for the most part. Um, probably a, a pretty uh, short episode this week. You know, we're still we still don't quite have the full slate of games. Uh, still waiting on the Big Ten and Pac-12 to get going. I like probably a lot of these players right now. I'm not in mid-season form yet, even though uh, you know we we've turned the calendar into October. Uh, it's, it's October 8th as I'm recording this, uh, this next slate of games will be taking place on October 10th. I need to build up, you know, my stamina, get myself conditioned and be in, in mid season form. You know, even though it's October, we're, we're still getting some of these live reps in. Uh, so I'll, I'll be ready for you, you know, come stretch run late October into early November. But for now, I'm just going to keep telling you what it is that you need to know. And looking back at week five, what did we need to know? Uh, Alabama, still awesome. Uh, we, we thought that might be the case. Uh, they've got Jalen Waddell. They've got Devontae Smith. They've now got John Mechie the third, five catches, 181 yards, and two touchdowns. He looks like he is going to be another nice weapon because, of course, Alabama can't have just two awesome receivers. They need to have a third. They dismantled Texas A&M 52-24. This game was close early. Um, it actually, rarely rarely am I right about things, and this one followed the script uh, pretty much exactly as I said it would uh, last week. This was one of my one of my winners. I started uh, started 2-0 and with, with uh, my first two picks and then had a, a tie and two losses to close the night. Uh, so so finish two and two total. Uh, but yeah, Alabama still really good. Uh, Texas A&M probably not very good, although we'll get another chance uh, coming up this weekend. We will talk about that. We'll also be talking about their opponent, Florida, who handled South Carolina 38 to 24. Uh, Florida really seems like they've got a good offense um, with with Kyle Trask. Uh, you know, he stepped in last year for Franks and did a really nice job. And uh, and this year, finding Kyle Pitts, um, you know, a, a big, a kind of tight end, tight end wide receiver hybrid who's been an absolute monster this season, matchup nightmare uh, for almost any defense. The question is whether Florida uh, can play enough defense themselves uh, to to kind of uh, to dominate Texas A&M this coming week, um, and and we'll have to see about that. Uh, staying in the SEC, Georgia start to finish absolutely crushed Auburn 27 to six. The final score looks like they found a quarterback with Stetson Bennett. Um, you know, again, not, not a stud, but definitely someone who, who is a good enough game manager, you know, not as good as say Jake Fromm was a year ago or, or even, uh, Aaron Murray, um, a few years prior, 
but someone who with that defense and the athletes around him, he's going to be able to lead that team uh, probably mostly through the SEC East. Uh, big game coming up for, for Georgia this weekend. Um, so another test for the Bulldogs and Stetson Bennett there, but just completely dominated Auburn in a stadium that, uh, nah, you know, you, you wouldn't necessarily know uh, that we were going through a pandemic. Certainly, and I'm not even, this isn't even a commentary on, on Georgia doing anything that may or may not have been inappropriate with the fans. It just, I'm simply saying that it kind of proved that even with, you know, limited capacity and, and certain levels of social distancing, um, you know, some of these stadiums can still get rocking. And that's been something that, uh, you know, in the NFL, it's certainly weird. But, uh, you know, aside from in the NFL, maybe Seattle and New Orleans um, and, and certain other stadiums, it's rare that the the crowd can truly swing a game that the way that they can in college. Um, and so, you know, you didn't want to be missing major big time college atmospheres and it, you know, based on the Georgia game and, and that Iowa state game, which I'll talk about in a second, definitely, uh, definitely some atmospheres that, that felt like big time college football. Um, Texas talked about Texas last week. They had a miracle comeback survived a scare against Texas Tech. Not so much this past weekend, losing to TCU 33-31. to um, Texas did have a chance to, to score a touchdown to go up very late in the game. Fumbled at the, their own one yard, uh, excuse me, fumbled at TCU's one yard line, um, turning the ball over very late in the game. And, uh, and if you happen to be an overbetter in that one, a really exciting finish as the game ended on a safety, uh, an intentional safety that probably shouldn't have been a safety, um, just a, a reminder that betting is very, very fun, um, and wild things can happen when you do it. Um, just going down the list, UCF, you know, number 11, uh, headed into this game, knocked off at home by Tulsa 34 to 26. Unlikely that the, uh, that the Knights will be making any national championship rings for 20. 20. Uh, North Carolina survived a scare at Boston College. Uh, BC scored late, went for two, trying to tie the game. Uh, did not convert. It was actually returned for two the other way. So that's how North Carolina comes out to a four-point win. North Carolina had not played since the first week of the season. Definitely showed some rust in terms of, you know, having a game and then having a layoff due to uh, some of their opponents having COVID issues. And I think there was an actual buy built in. Um, something that I'll be talking about coming up uh, as it pertains to Notre Dame and their game with Florida State. Uh, Cincinnati only beat South Florida by 21. That was one of my, that was my uh, push on the day. I had Cincinnati minus 21. They went out to a 21-0 lead. Uh, and then, unfortunately, uh, just played 7-7 from there with neither team even scoring in the fourth quarter. Felt like we deserved better there. Mississippi State, one week after knocking off the defending national champions, uh, they're getting an idea of what it's like to be a team that's coached by Mike Leach. The highest of highs, the lowest of lows, falling at home to Arkansas 21-14, snapping Arkansas's 20-game conference losing streak within the SEC. Congratulations to the Hogs. Woo Pig Suey. Is that what they say? I think, right? Woo. I think woo. Woo Pig Suey. I'm not going to yell it out. I, I, there are, I, I have 
My brother's family is in town. There are a couple of dogs. If I start yelling, woo pig suey, they're going to start clawing at the door to my recording studio. It's going to be a whole thing. So we will leave that one alone. Other games that we need to talk about. Let's get to Oklahoma and Iowa State. Uh, another one of my losses, Oklahoma at Iowa State coming away a 37-30 to loser. Brock Purdy, I said Brock Purdy wasn't great. I'm going to stand by that. I was wrong about the outcome of the game, but I stand by Brock Purdy not being awesome. Final stat line, 12 of 24 for 254 yards and a touchdown. Um, Oklahoma's defense is certainly not very good. Uh, Spencer Rattler, despite the fact that you know he's now leading a 1-2 team after uh, – the last three quarterbacks before him, two won the Heisman, and one was, uh, I believe, third place uh, when all was said and done. He's really good. He's also a redshirt freshman, and he's playing with a terrible defense. He doesn't quite have the, the group of receivers that have been there the last few years. I mean, Charleston Rambo is certainly a good player. They've got a couple other guys. But uh, this is not CeeDee Lamb. Uh, this is not D.D. Westbrook. This is not some of those guys that they've had. Um, so it's going to take a little bit of time for him. I mean, if anything, I think it's it's scary how good uh, he might be, uh, you know, say two years from now um, when he really has come out of that offense. But I think it's pretty safe to say uh, Oklahoma is is absolutely done um, with two losses in this in this current season with uh, the Big 12, everything we talked about, where they're not really going to have a chance to prove it against other conferences. Um, so I think two losses in the Big 12, they are finished regardless of what happens the rest of the way. And you know, if they get hot and start winning, they could effectively knock every other Big 12 team out of contention. Uh, they'll, they'll have a chance to pretty much completely eliminate Texas coming up uh, this coming weekend in the Red River Showdown. LSU bounced back nicely, crushed Vanderbilt, no issues there. Tennessee looked like, you know, Looked like a top 20 team in, in completely handling Missouri. That's what good teams are supposed to do, and they did it. Pittsburgh, you know, they they, they were 3-0. and They finally got me to say this is an actually good team, and then they kind of pulled a pit, and they lost by one, uh, blowing, blowing a lead against NC State. Uh, I mean, it was back and forth the whole way, but they did have a lead very late and allowed NC State to score uh, really in the final minute to uh, to get the win there. So now Pitt is back to being dangerous again, now that they will be uh, off the radar, so to speak. Um, just scrolling through the list of games, I don't think there's really anything uh, anything else that needs our attention from the previous week. Um, so therefore, I think we can move ahead. Before I do, um, you know, we are, we are, we, we certainly had a a great relationship with Rent Like a Champion. I'll even shout them out right now. I'm sure that uh, that, that business is is going through a tough time uh, giving, given the, the pandemic situation. So listen, if you want, if you are able to travel and, and you do want to stay in a house, because obviously you don't want to stay in a hotel right now, then I still recommend checking out rentlikeachampion.com. There's no promo code. Uh, it's just, you know, this is a good relationship and and. You know, in the in the words of the great uh, George Washington, one last time, I will uh, I will tell you that going to rentlikeachampion.com is a great thing to do. But aside from that, usually, you know, halftime of the show, this is where I would I would do my ad read. 
And if there are any sponsors out there that want to come in to partnership with the Scoop and Score podcast, I am mostly talking directly to you, DeBraga employees. If you uh, if you want to do any kind of sponsorship, listen, it doesn't have to be money. Uh, I'm sure we can work something out. I'd be happy to uh, to really do good, creative, um, legitimate ad reads that come from the heart. And, uh, and I'm just looking for that chance. So anyone out there uh, that is interesting in sponsoring the show, give me a call and uh, and we'll make it happen. But again, uh, you know, the ball is in your court when it comes to the selling of really delicious meats. And with that, let's move ahead to what I'm being told by the computer is week six. This is... Uh, this is an interesting slate. It's a lot of, you know, we, we had a pretty good week last week, and it was the first time that I really sat and just watched games from, from noon to midnight, basically. Chain, you know, watching three games at a time was pretty great. And we have a solid slate here. I mean, starting right at noon, we've got, uh, I mean, who would have thought that Texas-Oklahoma would be like the third biggest game in the noon slate? We've got that, the Red River something or other. Um... I like Oklahoma in this one. I don't, you know, I, I like them for the same reasons I liked them last week. I don't think that they are going to to, to lose three games in a row. Uh, also in this matchup, it seems like whoever has more to lose typically does. Um, and right now, Texas, you know, with only one loss and only one loss in conference, still has a decent chance at making a run in the Big 12, getting to the Big 12 championship game, and even potentially playing for a spot in the college football playoff. So therefore, that's uh it seems like it seems like it only fits that that Oklahoma would knock them off in this one. Um but it'll certainly be it's always fun to watch uh those two uh offenses especially led by Spencer Rattler and Sam Ellinger, uh both, you know, really electrifying players. Uh let's I I would expect to see a lot of points in that one, the over under uh, sitting at 72 right now. Uh, you know, that sounds about right. I'm not, I'm not telling you which way to make a play, but certainly if you like offense should be a good game. Uh, even if it is from a, uh, a non-existent, uh, Texas state fair at the Cotton Bowl. Um, also in that noon slate, we've got Virginia Tech and North Carolina, a ranked matchup in the SEC. Virginia Tech has been absolutely battling through COVID issues. Have had a lot of players uh, unable to play. They're starting to get healthier. They're getting more guys back. Um, what kind of conditioning? It'll be a good test because they've been missing a lot of guys in their secondary. And if they haven't gotten live reps, uh, North Carolina is a tough test to try to come back from uh, missing time with COVID. So I would expect North Carolina to be able to move the ball through the air in this game. Uh, but but if Virginia Tech is able to keep it closer or win this game, uh, that's going to be pretty huge in terms of uh, their uh, their abilities in the ACC moving forward and whether or not they're now, you know, a lot of people are saying, okay, there's obviously Clemson at the top. You've got Miami, Notre Dame, and North Carolina kind of vying for that next spot. But all of a sudden, I think you'd certainly just see Virginia Tech and North Carolina kind of flip-flop um, if 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 the Hokies were able to pull off the upset there. But again, I think uh, missing the time with COVID, it's just going to be too tough, especially on the secondary for Virginia Tech. I think North Carolina uh, likely wins that one um, with uh, with Sam Howell moving the ball through the air. And, uh, and lastly at noon in the SEC, Florida heads to Kyle Field to, uh, to play Texas A&M. 
you know, give me Texas A&M in this one. Um, that's not based on much in the way of football, um, but this just sort of seems like the kind of game where, you know, there there will be some crowd there. Um, so so the team, you know, gets a little bit of a boost from a crowd. Um, you know, I think that Kellen Mond, Jimbo Fisher, they they've they're gonna have a couple performances in them. Uh, throughout the year, this seems like a really good time for them to potentially. I was talking about that Florida, uh, that Florida defense, and that they've been a little bit suspect. So I think this one could also be a shootout. Looking at this, I see the over/under um, at 58. This is one that I could actually uh, potentially advise taking the over on this one. I could see this game getting into the 30s for both teams, and I'll just take the home team uh, and Kellen Mond. You know, pulling. Uh, Pulling one upset here, maybe early in the season, and then maybe we don't really hear from Texas A&M again. I could certainly kind of see that being the narrative of their season. So uh, I will, after after hyping up uh, uh, Kyle Trask and 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 Kyle Pitts, the Kyle brothers for Florida, um, I will I will just go the opposite way here because generally, if I have a thought, uh, going with the opposite is the smart thing to do. So we will take the Aggies in that one continuing to move down the slate we've got tennessee at georgia at 330 uh tennessee holds uh i think with notre dame not playing in the last two weeks notre dame might have the longest uh winning streak in college football or maybe it's tied for the longest winning streak in college football i know air force um is also up there so again i'm not actually uh we need that CNN fact checker guy. He would come in and say, actually, that is false. Um, but in this case, hey, they've got among the longest win streaks in college football. It's been pretty much against no one. If they want it to mean anything, if they want to kind of validate uh, what a lot of people think that they are now making moves in the SEC East as a contender, these are the kind of games that they're going to have to win. Um, it'll It'll be... It'll be an interesting game just because we haven't seen Tennessee really be tested. Uh, Jared Guarantano, the quarterback, certainly a guy with a lot of potential. Can he take the leap? Can he make uh, have a great performance on the biggest stage? I mean, this is the CBS afternoon game. There are going to be a lot of eyes on that game, especially with not much else in the 330 slate. This is certainly a chance for Tennessee to make a statement. Uh, ultimately, I think they just come up short. They are not all the way back yet, but uh, I will certainly be watching probably the entirety of that game just as a as a very active uh, fan, just to see where these two teams are both at. Uh, you know, in terms of both the SEC East and potentially the the national championship picture. Um, you know, Georgia certainly has those kind of goals, and with a win, Tennessee could be looking at those kind of goals as well. I said not much else in the afternoon window. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really not seeing a lot. And then 7.30, um, actually all three of my picks against the spread this week are all taking place at 7.30 across ABC, ESPN, and NBC. Um, I guess let's get, uh, let's get Notre Dame, Florida State out of the way now. Uh, Notre Dame has not played a game over the last two Saturdays. They dealt 
with a COVID outbreak on the team. Uh, they've got that, uh, it seems pretty well settled, uh, announced today that uh, at least two uh, presumptive starters, uh, Jack Kaiser on defense and Myron Tagovailoa Amosa on, on the defensive line, um, Kaiser a linebacker, I should mention, um, you know, not officially named by the school. Um, I'm not officially naming them either, but both have been announced as unavailable for the game. So do what you will with that information. Um, but Notre Dame certainly has uh, the depth to replace those guys for the game. The, the bigger issue for Notre Dame is the fact that, you know, with, with all the players that were in quarantine and isolated, they didn't get to do a lot of working out. To, to play two games against two weak opponents and then take two weeks off immediately, that's something that this team and, and really most teams never have to deal with. Uh, talked about North Carolina last week having to knock, knock the rust off. Uh, I can certainly see that being an issue with this Notre Dame team. Now, on the flip side, you might be saying they're playing Florida State. Florida State has been terrible this year. You know, they're they're one and two with their only win uh, coming against Jacksonville State. That is all true, but I'll also tell you I watched uh, a good chunk of the Florida State Jacksonville State game last week, um, knowing that Notre Dame was playing uh, Florida State this coming weekend, and. It seems as if Florida State has certainly found, I don't want to say they found their quarterback because I don't think that Jordan Travis is really the the quote-unquote answer at quarterback, but he certainly seems better than the first two guys that started games for Florida State. I should mention Jordan Travis, uh, transfer from Louisville, is now the third starting quarterback across four games for Florida State once he makes his start at Notre Dame. And I, based on what I've watched, I don't really understand how he was the third guy. Um, James Blackman and I believe it's like Tate Rodemaker, I might be making that name up. Uh, he started against Jacksonville State and was really, truly awful. Um, so this Jordan Travis guy is the best of the three. Uh, he's certainly mobile. Uh, he he he's a threat both you know moving in and out of the pocket on on pass plays, but also just on on designed runs. Um, so he is going to be a bit of a problem. Uh, for for the Notre Dame defense, especially as they're trying to get their legs back and get acclimated to the speed of the game when, you know, they haven't had uh, as much practice time and, and haven't played an actual game in quite a while. So I could definitely see this Florida State team getting off to a good start against Notre Dame. I don't even think it's inconceivable that we could be looking at like a 14-0 Florida State lead uh, in the first quarter. At the same time, I think there's a scenario where even after that 14-0 uh, early start for Florida State, Notre Dame could then rip off five consecutive touchdowns as they get their legs back under them and win this game something like 35-14. to So with that... You know, I'm I'm scared of of what Notre Dame might look like in this game. Uh, I'm a little bit bummed out that Florida State seems to have found by far the best uh, option at quarterback right now. Um, but all of that being said, if as long as you're not giving the full 21, um, and certainly not more than that, if you can if you can only give the 20 and a half, I do think unless you know unless the rust is even worse than I'm expecting, I think Notre Dame can win that game by three touchdowns. Um, so if you can find it for under 21, I'd go ahead and lay the points. And But make sure you're going to be patient um, because I could see it being a little bit of a rocky start. Also at 7.30, uh, my second pick of the week, Alabama travels to Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin going up against his old boss and Nick Saban. 
Alabama, uh, a 23 and a half point favorite that I'm seeing right now. It was 24 at the time I gave it out. Even better, we'll take the extra half point. And I really like Ole Miss to cover this spread. Uh, playing a night game, they should be fired up. And the way I see this, so Lane Kiffin takes over as the head coach of Ole Miss. When I was a senior in college, I was the offensive coordinator um, for a flag football team for one of the girls' dorms at Notre Dame. And this particular team uh, had been weak for many years. Uh, They hadn't scored a touchdown in like four seasons. Things were pretty out of control. And our main thing going into our first practice was that we were going to practice a trick play for the opening of our final game of the season. We were going to practice all season. This one trick play that was going to get us a score in our first drive. We were going to go ahead. We were going to win the final game of the season. That's where all of our focus was. We nailed the trick play. We got our win. It was all great stuff. I think that Lane Kiffin thinks a lot like 20 to 21-year-old Stephen Kahn. When he got to Ole Miss... And, you know, we went through the whole COVID situation and is the season canceled? Is it not? And then he gets the Ole Miss football schedule. And I think he just circled Alabama. And he said, forget what we do in any of our other games. We are going to throw everything we have at the Crimson Tide. Will it be enough? No, of course not. Alabama is an absolute machine right now. But will it be enough to stay within 24? I think absolutely. I'd be surprised if this is more than a 14-point margin of victory for Alabama. So therefore, you know, if we're looking at like a one-score game, I guess with Alabama you always have to be a little scared that they could like rip off three touchdowns in a row. But when all is said and done, I think you've got to feel pretty good about getting 24. And even if they are getting killed, you even got the backdoor situation where they could be down 27 and get a TD late. I really like uh, taking the 24 points in that one, I think it will be, uh, I think it'll be a competitive game. So therefore, uh, 24 should be safe. And lastly, at 7.30, and and the last game that uh, I'll be talking about right now, and and probably the biggest game of the weekend, uh, number seven, Miami, at number one, Clemson. And I got to say, I like taking uh, the 14 points here uh, with the Hurricanes. I think this is going to be a really competitive, really good game uh, that'll likely come right down to the wire. This Clemson team is really good. There's no doubt about it. But this front seven is not quite as loaded as it has been in recent years. Now, they've got a ton of star freshmen and sophomores that are going to be building up, and they're really talented, and they're going to be great. But they're not as great as they were, say, with Isaiah Simmons last year or, you know, the whole crew in 2018 that was just so loaded across the defensive line. And that front seven in particular is maybe where De'Ara King can exploit that Clemson defense. Um, it's I don't know if people, unless you were following Houston when he was there, if you've watched uh, a couple of these Miami games closely, I don't know if people realize how good De'Ara King is. Um, you know, certainly a, a good thrower, but if a play it, a play doesn't even have to break down for him to break off running, um, and when you have that constant threat, that then opens up more plays in the passing game. Uh, it's 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 difficult to defend a guy with with an arm and then legs like Dr. King has, and I think he keeps them in this game. I think the two teams probably go shot for shot. 
um, creating a lot of points. This uh, The Miami defensive line is good enough to get pressure on Trevor Lawrence, which as we saw last year against LSU, if you get pressure on him, that's the only way that you can kind of uh, contain him. Although, you know, he's certainly capable of taking off running as well. I see this really coming down to the fourth quarter. Ultimately, I just think Clemson has been there so many times before. Uh, they'll be comfortable playing at home. And I think Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, likely make one more play and come out of this game winning by a score. You know, they could they could be down by six and score late. I'm, that's how close I think this will be. I think Clemson ultimately wins this game by somewhere between one and seven points. Uh, but I do think we're likely to have a classic on our hands uh, on, on Saturday night at Clemson. Um, so that is, uh, that's about the entire slate. So that afternoon section, um, you know, the 3.30 slot, it's really just Tennessee, Georgia. So maybe if you have some chores you need to get done around the house, anything like that, uh, that is the time to do it. So buckle up at noon, buckle up at 7.30. Uh, but in between, you can probably get some things done. Uh, hopefully, this has been informative. Hopefully, you go out there, parlay Notre Dame, Miami, and Ole Miss. And hopefully, we are all big winners. Uh, that's it for me. Uh, and I look forward to talking to you next week. Enjoy the college football action. That concludes the Scoop and Score podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul.